0: I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Mr. Chairman, I yield the balance of my time to the red wave. It's high noon for Wednesday, December 16th, 2020. Please follow the podcast at I'm Your Moderator on Parler, or even better, join the info stream on the Telegram Messenger app, t.me slash I'm your moderator. Because there are only two days left of me on Instagram. And if you want to keep seeing stuff, you got to make the move. And if you don't make the move, you ain't going to see stuff. So High Noon is once again late because the number of hearings is overwhelming. Overwhelming. I watched in full the Senate hearing about election irregularities this morning. The committee was chaired by Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. He did an excellent job. And these hearings or this hearing, I should say, went like most of the hearings in the last few years, where Republicans are asking substantive questions of the witnesses and Democrats are giving speeches about threats of violence and racial groups and how important it is that the country just move on and repair ourselves from this crisis that they create. It is an insult to any thinking person to watch what the Democrats currently in the Senate do in these hearings. I've talked before about the hearings with Andrew McCabe, with James Comey and others. This hearing was no different. Thankfully, Maisie Hirono of Hawaii was not on this committee. So her colleagues were forced to Fill the stupidity vacuum that she leaves behind. And they did so admirably. Kristen Senema was embarrassing, saying that the election in Arizona was a great triumph because of their turnout numbers, kind of leaving aside that hundreds of thousands of those numbers were fraudulent. But she's very, very happy with it. She doesn't reflect the view of Arizonans, nor does she reflect the view of the state of Arizona, which currently has subpoenas for a full forensic audit of the election systems. And what will happen in that audit? Well, we'll find overwhelming evidence of fraud and manipulation just as they have elsewhere, like in Michigan, where they're also subpoenaing the necessary information to discover systemic, intentional election fraud and manipulation there as well. And I talked briefly about, The testimony in Michigan yesterday from Dominion CEO John Paulus. And I watched the rest of it after I put out yesterday's episode. And the conclusions were the same as before. The man is obviously perjuring himself. He made many statements that are provably factually untrue including multiple statements about how the machines could not be connected to the internet and therefore not be manipulated during the process. But of course they have USB drives that were taken out, manipulated on laptops and then placed back in the machines. And his excuses were always based on things that the individual States, counties, election commissions, election clerks, and whoever else could have done that was outside the purview of Dominion. None of what he said was able to dispute any of the major claims about the flaws and the obvious weak points of the system's. They continue repeating things like the paper ballot trail will match in the voter books, except they don't match and they don't match at all. And it's admitted that they don't match. In fact, that was the reason why the Wayne County election officials on the Republican side didn't want to certify the process in the first place. And then they did so after being threatened. And they did so on the condition that the secretary of state would actually audit these things. But as soon as they recorded their certification, the secretary of state backed off that, which isn't surprising. Because their secretary of state was placed in her position by George Soros. And yes, that's real. He launched a secretary of state program in 2010 to eventually yield results exactly like this one. He's done the same thing with judges, but the takeaway from what John Paulus was saying or Polis maybe was that every problem that could have occurred was surely someone else's fault. Some, link in their chain had broken, but it definitely wasn't dominion. And this is how these systems of fraud get put into place. They make the systems too complex and too intricate that they can explain away with human error every single step in the process. And the fact that they can do that allows those processes to be systematized at every link in that chain so that the process can't be trusted at all. If there are no poll watchers, it doesn't matter when the Dominion CEO says that there is a bipartisan group of poll watchers to check that this process is being done correctly. There's not. If those people aren't there, it may well be someone else's fault. But the fact that they're not there does nothing to dispel a notion that fraud was committed. The system in Antrim County showed a 68.05% error rate. The acceptable error rate is .0008%. One in 250,000. If the error rate is 68.05%, we're talking about roughly 160 some odd thousand out of 250,000. That's how often errors will be registered. And what happens when errors are registered? Well, then the ballots are sent to an adjudication process. And we know that these ballots can be adjudicated as a batch. So the person there doing the adjudication on the machine has no oversight about how those adjudications come out. And they do this with the mail-in and absentee ballots, which means all they have to do is have enough ballots in hand and a high enough error rate that you can change basically all of them. And the Dominion machine does allow them to do that. And of course, they build that into the system and say, hey, this is so that all the people you employ with perfect training and perfect integrity can get this right. And so everybody says, oh, yeah, wow, what a great solution. Yeah, all we have to do is depend on everybody being perfectly trained and then perfectly honest. That's it. No problem. Now give us four million votes. I don't trust that. You shouldn't trust that. And no one else should trust it either. Why? Because we have it on video that that didn't happen. There are thousands of sworn affidavits from around the country by American citizens sworn under the penalty of perjury that they saw those processes weren't being followed many times they weren't being followed intentionally. Many times they kicked out GOP poll watchers. Many times they kept them way too far away to ever see what they were doing. And why did they do that? Well, based on COVID, of course. Because COVID is the ultimate excuse for everything. In fact, the Democrats in the hearing today didn't stop mentioning COVID. And how great it was that Chris Krebs, the now fired and disgraced head of the CISA, the the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Administration. They were lauding him about how well all of this was handled even among the global pandemic. And he brought it up himself quite a lot. Now, the Democrat senators and many of the media organizations and pretty much everyone took his statement that this was the most secure election we've ever had as not only a fact, but an all-consuming fact, which means that there wasn't election fraud. Because his statement was that this was the most secure election ever. Now, he was asked to clarify the statement in the hearing. And he did clarify it. He said that that statement only attests to the lack of interference by foreign nations with the actual voting and tabulation process. Meaning that it didn't get hacked or interfered with. By foreign nations. Now, that's not something anyone has claimed. The claims are not that foreign governments hacked the elections, though the Democrats did make that claim repeatedly for the last four years while saying that Donald Trump was an illegitimate president and saying that the election had been illegitimized by Russian interference. And of course, it was not. The claims are real simple. The claims are that the computers, the Dominion machines, can connect to the Internet. They can. That Dominion employees abuse their roles and the systems to generate widespread election fraud. And they did. That the information was passed over foreign servers, not foreign governments, Not foreign actors, but foreign servers. No one said they're not run by Americans. No one said that foreign governments hacked the elections. But Colonel Phil Waldron has testified in sworn affidavits and elsewhere that that's exactly what happened. Are we supposed to imagine he's lying when we hear the Dominion CEO lying? And when we hear him intentionally dodge and evade questions, he's asked directly. Intentionally taking the questions to mean something they did not mean. And then skewing his answer appropriately. To say that the thing that he wasn't asked about didn't happen or to say that if the thing could have happened, though, he believes it didn't happen. It would have had to happen somewhere else. It wouldn't have been Dominion that was the problem. Of course, there are too many systems involved here and too many processes for anyone to be certain that the system worked, even if what he was saying was true. But it wasn't true, and it was provably untrue. He, for instance, said, that Dominion had never worked with SolarWinds Orion. But yet it said on Dominion's website, which they've now scrubbed, in the source code that you can see online that Dominion was using SolarWinds. Now, perhaps he was specific enough to say SolarWinds Orion, And on a technicality, he wasn't lying. I don't know. But they certainly used SolarWinds. And SolarWinds was hacked. And investors in SolarWinds sold off $280 million worth of stock in the week before that information came out. That is insider trading that is an organization that knows it's in deep deep trouble and the amazing thing when investors do this is that they're basically saying they would rather take their chances with the SEC and with our judicial system than still be owning a dead stock after it's exposed that their systems are rife with vulnerabilities. Now, one of the really interesting things that I think people forget about a lot when these hearings are occurring is that there are multiple purposes for the hearing. They can be just simply fact-finding missions. That's great. Many of them are that, and it's wonderful when they are. But they can also be used to force these people to make these sworn statements on the record and have these sworn statements as part of the public record for when their sworn statements are proven false. So John Polis yesterday and Chris Krebs today both perjured themselves. They are assuming that they will get away with it because they are assuming Joe Biden being president and someone like Andrew Cuomo being the attorney general and no one ever looking into these problems. And they feel very safe in that assumption. Then again, what's their choice other than actually flipping and telling the truth? They don't have one because they would be admitting to the greatest crimes in American history. And they don't want to do that. And it's too bad because the truth is that Donald Trump has given all of these people more than ample time to do the right thing or to flip and give their testimony, probably with protection. But these people aren't doing that. The secretaries of state aren't doing that. Brad Raffensperger is rumored to be just days or weeks away from becoming a Democrat. And of course he would. He acts like one already. He's actively attempting to ruin the January 5th election in Georgia. And the hope and my expectation is that faithful, loyal MAGA people in our government, will be watching every single step of this process so that there's no doubt, so that the public will immediately know what has gone on in this election, so that there will be no shenanigans about kicking out poll watchers, finding ballots under a table, having ballots delivered by truck in the middle of the night, These crazy drop boxes, which, by the way, they're adding more to for this Georgia election. This is the Mark Zuckerberg project, by the way. This is what part of his three hundred and fifty million dollar investment in getting Joe Biden elected through fraud pays for. These boxes are not legal. They're just a means of of committing fraud and being able to push it over the finish line. And that is what they are trying to do. I don't know how many of you watch football, but in the NFL, they have challenge flags. The coach can throw this little red flag on the field, and then the play goes to instant replay. Unless the next play starts before the challenge flag is thrown. So at the moment the next play starts, the play before is moot. They're not going to review it. It's over. They missed their opportunity to challenge it. That is what the Democrats are doing right now. They're trying to get the next playoff so that no one can challenge the play that just occurred. And that should be obvious to everyone. The Democrats and the media and the tech companies are doing everything they can to make sure that none of these hearings are held and that if they are held, then no one will ever know about them. And they've done a real good job about this. But even with that, Pew today found that 46% of Americans think the election was dominated by election fraud. That's more than the percentage that says it wasn't, which is now at 45, and then 9% aren't sure. You can imagine those 9% just don't want to admit what they actually believe. You can also imagine that the number is higher than that and growing. Again, this is a directional narrative, it's not going to change. There's not going to be a day where people just believe now that the election was legitimate. That's not happening until the entire thing gets reviewed or until Donald Trump is re-inaugurated. Because there are at least 74 million Trump voters out there who do not believe that the results of this election were legitimate and they are right. The results of this election were not legitimate. There's no question about that. One of the president's attorneys Jesse Banal testified before the Senate today about the state of Nevada and elsewhere, but in Nevada specifically, over a thousand dead voters, thousands of people who had voted twice, thousands of registrations at non-existent or vacant addresses, as confirmed the deaths with the Social Security Administration the addresses with the postal authority, voters that have moved out of state, voters that were not even citizens. There are also underage voters around the country. How is that allowed to stand? In every one of these states, the number of people with these obviously illegal votes are far Higher than the difference, the reported difference between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. There is no stopping this information. It doesn't matter now what the social media companies do or what the media does or how many times the Democrats try to say that we need to just move on. And that one of the reasons we need to move on is because people will lose faith in the election And then there are threats. And by the way, let's talk about what they mean when they say death threats. They don't mean credible threats against your life. They mean that someone on Twitter said this guy should be shot. Those are entirely different things. People on Twitter have said I should be shot before. I didn't call the FBI. This is no different than when they pretend that the greatest threat to America is right-wing extremism. Of course it's not. In fact, even the reports that they refer to when talking about right-wing extremism are fraudulent. And I am not making that up. They classified 9-11 as white, non-Hispanic. This is from the, I don't know, Tevis, Tevis database, T-E-V-U-S, Terrorism and Extremist Violence in the United States. 9-11 classified as white, non-Hispanic by this database funded by the Obama administration. That means that 3,000 deaths on 9-11 were blamed on white, non-Hispanic men. Is that who did it? I mean, either the answer is no and we accept the normal story or the people in the Obama administration are apparently 9-11 truthers who believe it actually was white, non-Hispanic men like George Bush and Dick Janey who killed all those people on 9-11. And if that's the case, I would I would love to see their records on that. But assuming that's not the case, I don't know how any of those Islamists were white non-Hispanics. But then again, I don't see race. That's for the left to judge. So if they want to call somebody white, I mean, that is their choice. And of course, one of the things about whiteness is that it's very, very violent. So if something very, very violent happens... Ipso facto, they were white, which is exactly how they explained all the violence across the country this summer, even though it was quite clearly Antifa, Black Lives Matter terrorists carrying out the violence, which is the same thing that happened, the large majority of it at least, in Washington, D.C. over the weekend at the Trump rally. Now, the headlines reported violence at Trump rally to make it sound, of course, like the Trump supporters there were the ones committing the violence. But that's not true. And it wasn't true during the summer either. The violence was carried out by supporters and allies of the Democrat Party, and it was allowed to continue by those very same people. The crimes were not prosecuted, The police were told to stand back and stand by by Democrat governors and mayors. And George Soros, D.A.s. wiped their hands of the whole thing. Because it was just a part of the plan until everybody actually saw the rioting. And then they had to put a stop to that. For a while, they're still ready at any point. So Joe Biden held a, quote, rally because, I mean, it wasn't a rally. I actually don't even know what you can call Joe Biden events anymore. It's actually too much of an accomplishment to even call them events. So they held a Joe Biden non-event in Georgia yesterday in support of John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock, the psychopath from Georgia. I mean, Raphael Warnock is just fucking nuts. John Ossoff is a kind of generic brand nerdy communist weakling. Raphael Warnock is might as well be one of the leaders of the Black Lives Matter domestic terror organization. He's crazy. But Joe Biden went on down there and there was a good eight or nine people. That came and showed up to see the guy that had 81 million votes. Are you rolling your eyes? I know you are. We're doing it together. And good for Joe. It's nice to get out of the basement every now and then. You know, now that the campaign's over and he doesn't have to stay in the basement. He can go out and ignore questions about Hunter in person. But just in from Fox News is this headline. Hunter Biden sent note to China firm chairman on behalf of family urged $10 million wire transfer email. Yeah, that's a real thing. That was also a real thing in October. And it's been a real thing since he did it, which was a long time ago. It's so good that the media can join us in recognizing that Joe Biden's family is being investigated for high crimes with our foreign adversaries. And the best part of it is that every single one of those crimes is directly connected to Joe Biden. There are rumors that Donald Trump will assign a special counsel to investigate the matter. It could come today, and I hope it does because Joe Biden is a criminal and he does deserve to be imprisoned for his crimes. This isn't that bullshit nonsense about some real estate deal that Donald Trump made in the 80s. People think Donald Trump is going to prison for something, but Donald Trump hasn't actually broken any laws. Joe Biden has. And the laws that Joe Biden has broken don't affect Joe Biden's private real estate business. They affect the functioning of the American government, and they were overseen by Barack Obama. But what else did Barack Obama oversee with Joe Biden's help and Hillary Clinton's help? Well, the Russiagate hoax. And more documents were declassified yesterday. There are so many more documents to come out and be declassified. There are full-on Senate reports detailing Joe Biden's crimes. John Brennan. John Brennan, the former head of the CIA under President Obama, is proven beyond a shadow of a doubt in these declassified documents to have been at the head of this Russia hoax. And the best moment of the hearing today to wrap this all up, bringing it right back around, not a segue, a beautiful callback. Ron Johnson absolutely blew the doors off the Democrat ranking member of that Senate committee hearing. And by the way, I don't think I named the committee earlier. It's the uh, Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee. So the ranking member is Democrat Gary Peters, who no one would know at all. But he's actually a senator from Michigan who won a very closely contested election over John James, a magnificent Republican candidate who was, I don't know, one of the most obvious up and comers in the party. So Gary Peters actually has a pretty big stake in seeing that the fraudulent election he benefited from is allowed to stand. But he was continuously talking about how this was all a disinformation campaign and the chairman, Ron Johnson utterly destroyed him because Gary Peters has been lying about Russian disinformation for years. And Johnson said it to his face. I urge you to watch it. It's great. Like Tony, the tiger. And it's real funny because the media is already freaking out and they're not going to stop freaking out because you know, this is what they do. And what other choice, again, what other choice do they have? What other choice do they have? This is the headline from the hearing. Senate hearing elevates baseless claims of election fraud. Now that's crazy. The claims aren't baseless. It's amazing that they continue to use the same strange words to describe this. Baseless claims. Always baseless claims, no evidence, baseless claims. All you have to do is listen to the hearing or any of these hearings. The Georgia Senate one was great. The Wisconsin one was great. This one was all right, but too much nonsense from the Democrat side, like utter nonsense. I mean, stuff that no one cares about and that no one needs to know. And Things that don't relate to the issue at all. But watch the hearing. These claims aren't baseless. The fact that thousands and thousands of dead voters, non-existent voters, illegal voters who aren't even citizens, ballots where there aren't signatures at all, ballots where election officials didn't sign off on even having checked the signatures. These are all illegal votes and they're happening all across the country. And if that is allowed to stand, it is the end of democracy in America. And it's awfully, awfully absurd for Democrats to be saying that looking into this is destroying our faith in elections. When in fact, It is them who destroyed the faith in the elections by capriciously changing voter rules and methods of voting and methods of counting votes and methods of receiving votes and dates by which you could receive votes because of COVID, because of COVID. Nah, it wasn't because of COVID. You don't use a pandemic to get the things done that you've been trying to do for years. That's what Rahm Emanuel calls not letting a crisis go to waste. It's not because of COVID. It's because of what they wanted. And they use COVID to get what they wanted, which not only tells you how unseriously they take COVID but how purely evil these people are. I'll be back tomorrow, same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns do not work and Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble With a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'm Your Moderator.substack.com, where you can donate, or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the range.